0: You're listening to the ESPN Footy Tips AFL Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the ESPN Footy Tips AFL Podcast. My name is Matt Walsh. I'll be your host for the day. And the AFL draft is basically just hours away now and, and we've hauled in our draft SP expert Chris Dory to talk us and you through all things draft related. Before I introduce him though, Neil Seawang, it's good to see you back in the podcast room.
2: Yeah, it's been it's been a little while. It seems like a, a lifetime ago that we're here for discussing the grand final and the, and the fall out of the regular season.
1: Uh, unfortunately, we don't have another regular panellist with us. Uh, Jake Michaels is uh, somewhere in Mexico, the United States, Canada. Yep. He's uh, somewhere in North America, so he won't be joining us today. Uh, and uh, champion data's Christian Jolly uh, is also absent. But as I said, Chris Dorry, uh, ESPN's draft expert. But welcome along. Thank you. Um, I guess where we're going to start with this is with the draft being so, so close by is just your overall thoughts on, on 2019 as a draft year and, and how you sort of compare it to previous drafts.
0: Sure. So it's a thinner draft than it has been the last few years, but we've got a very distinct, strong top three. From there, I find it opens up from four to 14. And then from there, sort of, it's quite a bit more open to interpretation, but really throughout, even in the top 10 there'll be players where not necessarily everyone will have in there, and they might have
2: potentially in their 20s or 30s. So for the for the, for the the layperson that hasn't been following the draft as, as closely as others, who, who is the top three in your mind, that, that clear-cut top three?
0: Yeah, so I'm looking at um, Matt Rao, Norah Anderson, and I'm looking at Tom Green, who's a GWS Academy prospect, as my clear top three.
1: And, and how far below
0: that top tier are the next crop between, sort of, you say, four and yeah. 14? So that next group down, I'm looking at as... Probable sort of top 15 players But I'm not necessarily Looking at them As I do the top three As your potential Maybe even franchise Quality players
1: Okay so if we were to Contextualise this in terms of say a Sam Walsh. Where would mm. Sam Walsh be going in this this
0: draft? Obviously, Sam he'd Walsh... be probably one, but Matt Rao would be a pretty close second. Okay,
1: so then if you were to look at another player from last year's draft, Connor Rosie, for instance, mm. I think he
0: went five or six last year. Sure,
1: um, is, is he in the mix of to be yeah, in the if, same position? If
0: he was in this draft, he'd be maybe the second or third picked, I would imagine. Okay, so he'd be right up there. Well, that's the interesting.
2: So last year's there was more top end elite talent in mm. last year's draft and then you would imagine that there is um in this year's draft correct yeah.
0: yeah so last year there was a pretty strong i would say eight or nine potentially that would be about equivalent to the top three this year
2: and talk us through how you how you spot talent you've obviously been a really um keen draft watcher for a long long time. How, so, how long have you been a draft watcher? Um,
0: I probably first got into it in the 2008 um, TAC Cup Grand Final so still side bottom had 30 disposals 10 goals yep. and from there it was sort of from that point onwards that I started taking a bit more interest. And more than a decade of experience you can say now? Mm. Yes <laughs> I've always had an interest in the list management space but the draft I found was just that next stage of I guess pursuing that interest further and pushing it to that next stage. It,
2: it's certainly becoming, uh, I mean, the trade period in itself and the draft is, is becoming almost like a, a season in itself in AFL circles. It's gained so, legs mm, in recent it years. It really has. Time. Yeah. Now
1: that it's televised, over two nights, it's a primetime mm. special. I mean, sort of how have you noticed over the last, I guess, 10 years how much the interest in, in the draft has changed?
0: Yeah, so I've found that even just this year on YouTube, we have all the NAB League games. So that's the old TAC Cup or the Victorian Under-18 competition and all the games are now streamed live online. Last year, we started to dabble into that, had maybe one or two a week. And before that, we just didn't have much availability
2: of anything at all, really. So, so you spend a lot of lot of time watching, you know, underage um, football on, mm. on YouTube now that that's actually available to yeah, you. It makes your life a little bit easier. Yeah. I'm so sure. if
0: the weather's terrible or I'm <laughs> feeling a bit unwell from a hard week at work, well, then yeah, it does give me that flexibility to watch games from home. And...
1: Fascinating. So you do a few different columns uh, for ESPN.com.au, mm-hmm. uh, you, you do a, uh, your power rankings each month, you do a weekly rap for us, and you also do um, phantom drafts in the lead up. And can you kind of explain to us the difference between those, um, those sorts of articles and what they mean when you talk about sort of a phantom draft and the power rankings and why players might be ranked differently? Mm,
0: sure. So my power rankings is purely where I rate the talents whereas my phantom drafts is where I'm predicting clubs will pick players based on their list needs, how they're roughly viewed by the recruiters I might talk to or see during the year, just getting a feel for other people's opinions as well.
2: And they can, I mean, say, for example, we we published your November power rankings a couple of days ago and your final full phantom draft will be on ESPN.com.au as of Wednesday morning, Um, and there's going to be some dramatic differences between, Mm -hmm. say, for example, a player that you might rate as fifth most talented and you might have them uh, set to go in the second round or vice versa someone that you don't rate as high could be um, expected to be picked really highly so talk us through a couple of the I guess the more prominent examples Mm -hmm. where there's a a stark difference
0: yeah so Luke Jackson is probably the one that comes to mind firstly where he's predicted to go pick three he's a Ruckman isn't he yeah Ruckman yeah
1: and, and that that pick three at the moment sits with Melbourne, who has hmm. arguably the second or even the best Ruckman in the league. Yeah. So why is it then that Melbourne has been so uh, closely linked with, with Jackson? Sure.
0: Um, there's been, I guess, suggestions in the media that that might be the case, but my view is that it might be a look towards a potential succession plan where Max Gon has a fair injury history, has played less games than Brodie Grundy, who's three years younger than him. And... Um, yeah, so if he's in his now he'd be nearing he'd be 28 at the end of the year, so um yeah, given that he might play till maybe his mid 30s, but then you'll have a Luke Jackson that usually Ruckman peak in their mid 20s, mm-hmm. so might take him a few years to, years to develop, develop as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and they might
2: start him as a key forward potentially as well, and then switch him into the Ruck. So he's obviously got talent. I mean, any kid that that gets drafted has talent. And any kid that we're talking about it's a potential first rounder has talent. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that. The talk is, and the indications are, that Melbourne will take Jackson at three. And, and so where is he in your individual power rankings? Yeah, so he's number 13 on my rankings. So what's the knock? Why, why isn't he third on your list, for example, or fourth? Mm. So I'm thinking of him
0: as a shorter Ruckman. There's not too many Ruckman that are sub 200 centimetres that I would necessarily be wanting to pick early. Um, there's also been a habit over the years where you can trade for Ruckman quite cheaply, where you might be able to throw a second rounder at them and get them.
1: Yeah, I remember you you wrote an article recently about the Mm. trends that we've seen in in drafts over the last few years Mm. and one of those is basically just waiting until a a Ruckman can kind of pop up elsewhere and and throwing Mm. a bit of cash at him and and getting him through that way. So I guess it is kind of strange to sort of see the renaissance of a a Ruckman going so high. Mm. Would it surprise you? Sort of still talking about Melbourne pick three, would it surprise you that to, for them to bid on someone like Tom Green, who is a GWS Academy mm. player, as you said?
0: Yeah, it doesn't sound like they will, but certainly if I was in Melbourne's position, I would, because to me, he's a clear-cut third. If anything, I'd even be considering as pick one or two, where he's on that exact same level for me with Matt Rowell and so, Noah Anderson. Is that right? So he, has, mm. but he
1: hasn't been talked about, obviously, in the same mm. breath as those other two, purely because he's
0: a GWS Academy product and it's just a formality that he's going to be at the Giants? Potentially. um, The way I see it, I see Green as potentially being a little bit more limited where he might not have as many weapons, but what he does well, he does terrific.
2: I think I I read um, some of your pieces during the year and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you wrote that Um, Green is probably the best contested ball winner more so than Patrick Cripps as an 18 year old that you've ever seen in the draft
0: yeah and Cripps came along quite a bit later where he grew even after the draft he grew another four or so centimeters so he wasn't fully developed whereas Green he's already fully developed but I've never seen a contested ball winner at that age as strong as him so he'll be incredible at stoppages he could break into the team next year and become a regular even in that loaded yeah, I was you know, GWS say, a midfield. it is a stacked midfield as it, it is. Yeah. Um, so I guess he's it's probably
1: good. one player that you kind of look at and think he could shape the draft basically whether clubs bid on him early or could the Suns even bid on him I mean just to sort of throw a spanner in the works?
0: Yeah I don't suspect they would um, potentially if they went pick if they traded into pick three I don't think Melbourne would agree to that necessarily <laughs> <laughs> but that's yeah. interesting. So, if we were to sort of list a few other names of players that could
1: really shape shape this draft, I think there are a couple that really stand out. And we talked about players that differ on the power rankings from where they are probably likely to go in the actual draft mm. tomorrow night and and further. There's one bloke who who's really really interested to, interesting to me, and it's Will Gould, a South Australian kid who's I think he clocks in at 103 kilograms uh, yeah, as a halfback flanker. Yeah, and he's a huge fella, and he's Amazing. not super tall
2: as well, isn't he? Mm. He's not like a key position height. He's no, apparently he's. Yeah, Play
1: running off half back So, what a big can you beast of a man. tell yeah. us about him and where he's expected to go versus where you have him uh, in your power rankings, which is uh, at 14? Uh, 13? Yeah, 14, fourteen. Yeah,
0: yeah. So he's someone I'm looking at as he's a hugely powerful kick and he's also a really physical presence where he'll knock guys over, do a lot of damage. Um, he's someone where I've got him at fourteen, but I'm predicting he goes probably in the twenties somewhere. Where clubs just they didn't love the way he tested, mm. went into the draft combine a bit
2: overweight and. This could be a could be a classic sort of footballer versus athlete. Um, a conundrum that the recruiters would be facing. He's obviously, he, he's physical, he can kick the ball beautifully, so he looks like he, a two-time All-Australian, even mm, in his right, underage yeah. year. One of three, so he yeah. can play footy, and mm. obviously he's not a great athlete yet. So it would be interesting to see exactly how yeah. far he slides.
0: And, and I truly find in games he's actually got a burst of speed, but he might not test well, and there's a lot of players that might be a bit like that, where one player that comes to mind, Joel Wilkinson, he has the 20-metre sprint record of the draft combine, and right. in games he could never apply that. Speed in game, and for me, it's sort of with the testing results, I don't pay too much attention to it because unless they can apply it on the field, it doesn't really mean too much in the greater scheme of things. Mm. So,
1: would clubs sort of look at him then? Uh, obviously, they're not willing, it doesn't seem like they're willing to part with maybe a first round pick for him, mm. but clubs would surely look at him and think, Well, we can, we can probably chop 10, 15 kilos off yeah. him, and, and, and get no him doubt that'll happen where the Clayton Oliver kind so of time transformation. Well. Mm. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Uh, another player that I kind of taken a lot of interest in, and Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like the top 20 or so, at least the first round of, of players, it's quite midfield heavy or smalls heavy. Mm. General forwards, general defenders, inside, outside midfielders. We don't have many key position players that seem capable of, of showing elite, uh, I guess, like they can't, they're not showing sort of elite signs at this stage. Mm. Is that true that... There's not really a lot of key position prospects early in the draft this year. Yeah,
0: there's only one I'm looking at in the top 10 in Fisher-Mackesee. But outside of that, there might be some others that feature in the first round, but they're not necessarily players I'd be willing to take that early, where they don't have the form on the board. To necessarily justify such an early Could you selection? see a team perhaps
1: Reaching for someone like Makassi purely Because they they have a, a Lack of key backs and, and they feel Like if they can reach even if it's a few Places that they can secure one who might be a Decent
0: player I mean where do you sort of see him uh, Falling in, in the yeah. scheme of things He's someone where maybe around Adelaide's Selection I think he might go and look for me that's About the right spot for him where Pick,
1: pick six, pick six. Yeah, pick pick
0: six. six yeah. yeah So just the signs he's shown in games Where he played um, an AFL academy game against one of the VFL sides during the Under-18 Championships as well. He was just one of the standouts, won the Vic Metro MVP.
2: I've got a couple names. Um, we'll probably have to move on from the individual players, but I mean, every player's got a story at this stage, but there's a couple that really, I guess, piqued my interest. One is Brody Kemp. He mm-hmm. seems to be uh, a bit of a mystery man of this draft. He, he, he looked like he might be a, a top three or five talent before he did his ACL mid-year, and now it looks like there's a chance that he slips even to the back end of the first round. So where, where do you see him and um, what are your expectations for his AFL career?
0: Yeah, so I'm expecting he probably goes somewhere in the second half of the first round. And um, during the Under-18 Championships, he had some games where just the flashes he showed and in big moments, he really lifted. And with his height, having the midfield capabilities, being able to play forward and back, he's someone where I might take him a bit earlier than clubs might, but yeah, he might go somewhere around maybe Gold Coast f- pick 15, <coughs>
2: might be around the spot. Excuse me. And the second name I had was, I guess, an- another one who I think has got a big discrepancy between where you rate him and, and where he might be selected is Kaziah Pickett. I'm not sure if mm. I've said his first name yeah, correctly. Pickett, yeah. um, small forward, um, electric skills, um, but maybe doesn't have a lot of runs on the board in terms of production. It's more about his... Potential Um, Where do you rate him And it appears that He's going to be Selected quite early
0: Mm, So here's someone Where I've got him 33 on my personal Power rankings Um, He's someone where The pressure he I guess Applies to Opposition players Is as good as Anyone in the draft Where that's how He impacts games He's pretty good In the air um, Very clean at Ground level Can finish but I'm thinking, given his heist, given the production on the board, I'm not sure how much improvement there is in him.
2: So all, all, all roads in... are pointing to Melbourne picking him at 10. And as a Demons fan, I think there's a lot, if, if the draft goes as expected with Luke Jackson and, and Pickett at 3-10, and 10, it seems like a very high-risk um, strategy with, with mm-hmm. two quite early first-round picks.
0: Yeah, it might not necessarily <laughs> go too well in my review when that comes <laughs> up in a couple of
2: days. D you coming out for the demons? Mm. Um, yeah.
1: uh, before before we move on, do we maybe want to run through, I guess, your phantom? We won't do the whole lot because you have to probably read it on ESPN.com.au uh, Wednesday morning. But do you want to run through maybe your, your top 10? and us and go we top can 10. Top 10 yeah, and, sure.
2: and where you expect the, the players to go in the top 10? And is there a chance that this could change by the time that we publish <laughs> your piece? It's possible that <laughs> yeah. it yeah. might I see change. you've scribbled out
1: a few names in the top 20 and, and, mm. and
0: crossed them out. So uh, obviously
1: yeah, this is still right a working. In progress, but <laughs> yeah.
0: please, yeah, go through your top 10. And yeah, so think- number one, I'm expecting Matt Rowell, and then pick two Noah Anderson. Both will go to Gold Coast. They're both um, schoolmates, both go to Cary Grummer, both played at Oakley Chargers, and they've got a real on-field chemistry, which is quite rare, where you'll often see them passing to each other, and you've got Rao, who is a beast inside, but he can also go outside and find a lot of it, and Anderson, he's got both a midfield and forward game, where if you put him forward, he can tear games apart. Um, Melbourne, pick three, I have Luke Jackson. Um, then I'm expecting um, Greater Western Sydney to pick Lachlan Ash at pick four to add a bit more speed to their back line, where I'm finding they're probably getting a bit slow now. Heath Shaw probably yeah. is last year. So, so, so Ash th- is a speedy sort of halfback. Mm, yep. Yeah, and that's a pick where it's probably likely. And then from there, I'm thinking Sydney might be the team that drop a bit on Tom Green. Where their midfield is starting to age a bit Josh Kennedy is probably in his last few years And Mm. they need that new big body And given the strength of Green's play And the production he has on the board It's hard to Sort of think otherwise Do so you think the Giants Would match that bid though? I suspect they will right. So I think That'll be pick five GWS Tom Green So you expect
1: the Giants To have two picks Inside the top five By the time they've matched bids
0: Yeah I do yeah <laughs> So they moved up With the idea of Getting both Someone that yeah. will fill a need And then Green Who just capitalising right. On just the sheer quality So then everyone
1: Every other team Moves down one spot From correct, there So yes. uh, pick six uh, Pick five rather uh, Six Pick six Yeah do you so think pick six now So
0: I have Sydney Taking Sam Flanders
2: Okay and is he a mid like a powerful mid forward? Is he is, yeah. yeah. So he can play both mid
0: forward. I personally love what he does as a forward. Where forward forward of center, he's as influential as anyone in the draft. Where one on one, strong mark, finishing around goal, he'll kick his bag of four or five, pretty comfortably. But well, you've got him good ranked the midfield fourth as well. in your power ranking, so yeah. you obviously rate him quite highly. Yeah, and for me, he's probably that next, that first of that next group down from that big three. Okay. Um, Adelaide I have taking Fisher Macasey as a key defender So I just think Adelaide, they probably, they're probably they starting to look to rebuild Where they delisted and traded quite a number of players And they're just looking to get younger And I think Macasey could be that potential building block Where their key defenders are getting a bit long in the tooth and Then I've got Fremantle This is a change from my previous three-round phantom <laughs> I have Hayden Young okay. So he'll add to their defence, great kick um, pick nine, Fremantle, I have Dylan Stevens. So a good midfielder can play inside, outside. So they complement each injuries. other, you think, one being more midfielder? Yeah, they being... add different components. So Fremantle, they they lost Langdon and Hill during the trade period. So, yeah, that'll add a bit more speed there potentially. And then Carlton, this could be an upset selection. And this one I haven't fully settled on, but I'm mm-hmm. considering Cody Waitman, and he might even be a chance for Melbourne at pick 11. So he's one of the, there's a he's host a small of forward. small forwards, mm. isn't there? Yeah. There's wrong yeah. Waitman picket. Mm.
2: Um, a couple of others as yeah. well. That it seems to be a draft where there is quite a lot of interest in these these small, mm. small, medium. Yeah, forwards. and there's
0: a lot of good small forwards in this draft as well. And I'd argue with quite a number of them at the back end of the draft that you could get some value maybe in the rookie draft or so place. Interestingly, he's not in
1: forwards. your top twenty power rankings. Correct, where do you have yeah. him? Sort of. Ranked? So I
0: have him twenty-seven at the okay. moment, Cody Waitman. But where, you
1: think because it's a, a need for Carlton at this stage of of mm. their rebuild that they might
0: decide yeah, to and, reach Yeah, and for there's him. been some talk that even Melbourne might like to take him potentially at 11s. So that might be something to look out for. But with Carlton and Melbourne, it depends on who's there. Yeah, so And they're tossing up between the small forwards of Waitman, Pickett, maybe Sarong as well.
2: That's what. That's exactly what I was going to ask you. Why do you think that the Blues or, or Melbourne would pick Waitman over mm-hmm. the other two highly rated small forwards in the, the back end of the first round?
0: Sure. Mm-hmm. So Waitman, he had a terrific under-18 championships. I think he kicked the most goals during the period. Um, And he's got that extra athleticism as well, which might potentially complement the tools that Carlson have.
1: I'd love to keep going, uh, but we've got to keep, (laughs) uh, I guess, something uh, sort of uh, for the imagination. And and obviously you can read uh, your your final Phantom Draft uh, on the website uh, on Wednesday morning. Whenever you are listening to this, it'll be Wednesday morning. It goes live. Um, But I guess we should sort of move on to more general topics about the draft. I guess... You sort of look at some teams over the, over the journey and you go, "Geez, they nailed it. And, and mm. other teams you go, "Geez, they might have struggled to, to convert their picks in, into some good talent. Which clubs, in your opinion, uh, have drafted well, I guess, over the, the last five or ten years and, and which clubs haven't drafted so well? Mm.
0: And that's a very hard question because you'll find from year to year there's some clubs that nail it and then other years they just completely miss. And really the draft is such a lottery where you're just hoping you're going to get that winning ticket, but it's not always going to work out that way.
2: And plus the fact that there's drafting versus development, right? I mean, Mm. a draft, a list management team could draft really well. Yeah. And if there's no great development at the club, then, Mm. then they might all look like busts in two or three years as well. Maybe I should rephrase the question. (laughs) Which
1: clubs have nailed the process the best? (laughs) Yeah.
0: And it it is hard because you've got the likes of Hawthorne where it looks like they're getting a lot of gems late in the draft, which they are, but a lot of that might be down to development, culture, good coaching. So it's hard.
1: I remember a couple of years ago reading your pieces and, um, uh, you had uh, who was it that was ranked really highly and then he slipped to about 43 Warp- wasn't Warple? Warple yeah James yeah. Warple and you yeah, had him so quite often, high yeah. in your um, mm. power rankings many times and I was like geez this kid looks looks pretty yeah. good I like what I read about him mm. and then all of a sudden he slipped to the, the late second round or early yeah. third round and and obviously the Hawks now look like they've got a, a pretty good he player been in F, I think last yeah. year yeah, yeah and, yeah, correct, and yeah. Um, Jake Michaels our esteemed colleague uh, reckons he's a lock for the 2021 brown line okay. <laughs> okay. So there you go I'm, I'm not predicting that
0: I think he's an early blue And he might stay pretty similar to how he is Which is still very good Yeah, Yeah. and he's still a terrific player Best and fairest already Mm. Just a few years in So
1: So clubs that do well I mean, Hawthorne, you you think
0: Yeah, even the last few years I've seen a bit of a change Where I've noticed Richmond The last few years Particularly the last three I've noticed have been terrific Where you had the um, Marlon Pickett pick During the mid-season draft was just phenomenal Where just being able to produce What he did in the grand final Was staggering Sydney Stack as well During that preseason supplementary period um, both of them are actually rated. Um, Sydney Stack, I had top 25. I remember I that, I had yes. top 50.
2: And he slipped a little bit because I think mm. there was concerns about maybe his professionalism mm. off the field. Yeah, correct. But the, the Tigers have got such mm. a strong culture now, I guess they can take risks on yeah. just pure talent as yeah, opposed yeah. to maybe the one they fit into they the system. they can both
0: play like anything. And Jack mm. Ross, another yeah. good selection last year. And,
1: and maybe some clubs that you think have maybe
0: failed to nail their opportunities in the last mm. few years? The one club I've found, and it's probably a hard call to say, but... Uh, after 2001, when St Kilda got Ball, they got Del Santo, and I believe they got someone else. Maybe Montagna went that year as well. Revolt in
1: that time as well. Not yeah, I think Revolt but... was the
0: year before. And they had a strong period of drafts where that really elevated them to be a strong team in the late 2000s. But since that probably 2001 draft, St Kilda haven't had any great drafts, where probably development plays a part in that too. I'd imagine where the Billings draft I thought was quite a strong one a few years ago where they got Acres, Dunstan. But looking at those guys, they haven't really come on as much as you'd expect. So I'd probably nominate St Kilda as the one where... probably over that period of 10, 15, almost 20 years, they've been a bit down on the other clubs on performance.
1: Well, the Saints don't actually have a selection in the first round this season. Mm. So uh, it'll be interesting <laughs> to see what they can do with their later picks yeah. and if they can uncover some gems. Hey, we mentioned a couple of your your biggest hits. Um, Warple, obviously, and, and you had Sydney, Sydney stack, stack rated yeah. pretty highly. So yeah. feel free to blow smoke up your own yeah. uh, <clears throat> a little bit more if you wish.
0: Yeah, so, Some of the big
1: hits and misses over the mm. years that you're happy
0: with? Yeah, so Ben Brown was one of my favorites. Where in 2010, I thought he was worth a first round pick, and he went undrafted, and he went undrafted for a number of years. I promoted him every year <laughs> until he was eventually drafted, and now he's <laughs> he's your man.
2: Yeah, now is just fantastic. <laughs> That's so. unbelievable. So he went he went undrafted a couple of years. Was it was yeah. he undrafted from? So his it might have been three years, years,
0: and then he went to the VFL from Tasmania, and then he had. Do you a know why hearing. he he was overlooked? three um, years So around. in his draft year, I th- I think he did his ACL, and that. He probably would have got drafted that year Had that not been the case And I heard Collingwood were going to rookie him that year But he didn't want to be rookied, So Interesting
2: Yeah So then he came across He's a Tasmanian boy He came across to the VFL mm. Played a full year Didn't Correct. get drafted again And then got drafted I, I believe it
0: was He had just the one year of VFL sure. I could be wrong But yep. yeah I believe it was one year well, of VFL certainly. Did well there And North Melbourne just liked the look of him And took him probably somewhere around pick 40. And
2: Any others? I, I like stories like this.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's consult my list. <laughs> <laughs> so it's an extensive list. Um, yeah. Um, Anthony McDonald, Tip, Tip and Woody was one where I had him in my top 40 in 2012 and then he was rookied in 2015, so yeah. a few years later. That's crazy, isn't it, the hindsight? I mean, mm. what sort of... Cha- what, what changes...
1: I mean, obviously, Brown had an injury, like you said, but what, what mm. changed in, in Anthony mcdonald and Woody's case that, yeah. that maybe Essendon eventually took the... And you know what? They really didn't even take a, a big punt mm. on him because
0: he was one of the, the top-up players as well. Yeah, mm. Mm. yeah, and he was someone where, even as a junior, he just brought that real pressure and he, he just really had a way of impacting games almost a bit like um, Pickett this year.
2: Okay. And mm. I guess the thing that everyone forgets as well is different kids mature at different mm. ages, right? So... There, there could be a kid that that dominates in his under eighteen year, who then doesn't come on, and then and then someone like um, Tippin Woody or Brown mm. that they, they can be maybe a bit slower in their develop, development, mm. um, and then they 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 might mature at twenty one or twenty four. Mm. I um, mean that's
1: that's the big risk about taking kids that are eighteen years old. I mean you look overseas and um, you know the NFL for, for example, these kids go through years of college football and they enter the league at twenty one, twenty two, mm. uh, and they're obviously a lot more developed in their in terms of their body and and obviously mentally as well. So. It is a bit of a risk, and you often see clubs, recruiting teams, get things wrong. Are you willing to put your hand up and say you had a, yeah, you got a couple I've, wrong? Yeah, I've
0: got heaps wrong <laughs> over my time. Um, two of the highlights, though. So, Reese McKenzie was one a few years ago, went to Richmond with a late pick.
2: Key forward, I, right? I thought
0: he was worth a top 10 pick in his draft year. He had one week where, in the cup, he kicked 10 goals, took something like 13 marks, and probably eight of them were contested, and had other bags of seven and six, so... He had the performances on the board, but and he slipped through to the... the rookie draft, did he? No, he was a late, late pick, so late probably pick. I think it was pick seventy-seven for Richmond that and year. He didn't, and didn't
2: play a senior game.
0: No, he didn't. So he had one year in the VFL, and then the second year in the VFL, he played about half the season, and then just for mental health issues, just departed the game. And mm-hmm. yeah, any, any other big um, <laughs> and another one was um, Wayland Manson. So oh, that's, a blast that's going the way past, back isn't in time. It? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah in twenty eleven, you for remind me. Played, <laughs> yeah. So um, there, were, there were some games um, in the Northern Territory where he was kicking 10 goals, 8 goals, 7 goals, and he he even outplayed Brendan Favola. So you had them both on the same team. Favola <laughs> gets 8, Waylon Manson gets 10, and he seems to mark everything. And I was thinking that, year, gee, this this guy can really play. Is it
1: kind of... Does the NT League suffer a bit like what the NEFL does, whereas whereby uh, performances that are that good in that league probably don't translate as well to a, a different league, even like the VFL,
0: yeah, for instance? Quite a bit more so, yeah, where... Even the NEFL is quite a solid league where there's guys that are in the NEFL that probably could play in the AFL next year.
2: Potentially. Speaking of, sorry, um, no, I think Matt, we're on the same wavelength. Speaking yeah. of um, state leagues, off the top of your head, and a question without notice: Do you have? Is this a draft where there's some strong state league prospects? Do you have a, a couple that you think really could perform from day one if they get drafted?
0: Yeah, there's a there, there are a heap of players that could. A lot of them, interestingly, haven't nominated. Where one example could be Hayden Sloth in WA, where he was an ex-Freeman or rookie. Um, I think is someone where he could just step into a team and play, where he's got the midfield capabilities forward.
2: So hmm. I he's wonder won why he wouldn't draft. I wouldn't nominate.
0: It's just out of the belief that he won't get redrafted, where clubs, they don't tend to look at players in their late 20s, but mm. there's yeah. a lot of them in that sort of age group where, a bit like James podsey when he was drafted by Geelong as a rookie, where you got 100 games out of him, great performance. Yeah, he so was it
1: instrumental in a couple of flags. I mean, if speaking of state leagues, again, just before we move on, um, do you, do you kind of find when you are watching state league games that, that one state league is more um, competitive than the others? I mean, where do you sort of rank them in terms of the competition? Sure.
0: So the VFL, Sandfall, Waffle, I consider that a fairly sort of similar levels. Yep. The NEFL, a little bit below, but still fairly decent as well. And then after that, the others aren't sort of as competitive.
1: Interesting. Okay.
0: So they're, they're the sort of four state leagues that I personally track and... Yep keep an eye on the stats I'll watch some games during the year Mm. to keep an Um, eye on the good talents
1: it's now obviously it's been 12 months since last year's draft which was uh, sort of touted Mm. as a a super draft of sorts Mm. Um, you've had a sort of year to to watch these draftees do their thing for their their respective clubs Mm. I mean Where do you sort of look back at 2018? Obviously, some players have done better or worse than you might have expected. I mean, what are your overall thoughts of the draft and and some big hits and some misses from there as
0: well? Yeah, sure. So I'm looking at the first round last year as potentially stacking up with one of the best drafts ever, where (laughs) it could even be nearing the level of 2001, just with the sheer first round quality. Even inside the top 10, there's some really good names.
2: I remember you you were you were really hot on Lacocius, mm. uh, Jack Lacocius and Bailey Smith for most yeah. of last year. I think you might have even had them mm. maybe one and two on your year-end power rankings or Yeah, pretty close too. Yeah. yeah so, so Smith I had at 3, Lacocius I had at two. 1. Yeah. Yeah. A shame Fair we didn't get to see
0: much two, of yeah. him uh, last season. Yeah, just out with injury, played a handful of games in the kneeful, yeah. but yeah, he'll hopefully be back next year and have an impact.
1: How did you assess Lacocius's first year as
2: a it, it was hard, interesting. It's a hard club to play at, yeah. You know, if you're getting yeah. beaten by mm. 10 goals every week. Played out of
1: his
0: preferred position, I'd probably say as well. Yeah, so it was very interesting to track his story, where the first half of the year he'd play forward, wing. I found his he led up at the footy quite well, but his leads weren't honoured enough. So I found that really took away from his potential impact.
2: It must be hard to be a 18-year-old key forward, though, like mm. cause you're used to getting the ball given to you all the time when you're in the under-18s, and then you play senior AFL, footy yeah. against senior players, mm. and you're not the number one go-to yeah. target. So mm. you're probably doing a lot of unrewarded running all yeah. the time.
0: And he covered a lot of ground last year, but it was just unrewarded. And then mm. second half, he moved to defence, and he looked very comfortable, set up play, intercepted yep. brilliantly. And it was still a good first year, very good for a key position player.
1: You had Sam Walsh a bit lower than some others might have I expected. Um, yeah. In terms of his first year, it's probably what you expected, but I, I mm. think the whole... Yeah. time last year, every time you sort of said it in your rankings and your, in your assessments was, um, you sort of know what you're going to get from him. Yeah. And that's kind of what we, you know, we mm. had, there was a great baseline that we had from Sam Walsh, uh, which was basically 25 touches a game, a bit of involvement. Where, where, where do you sort of see him taking the next step?
0: Yeah. Um, he, he's proven a lot stronger than I thought he would be Physically. this year, where, yeah, he's put on a bit more muscle, he's stronger through the hips, yep. kicking's improved a little bit as well, so he's made good progress over the last 12 months. Um, that really top four last year were just so even I felt mm. where you could just pick any of them and their pick ones most years and Walsh proved that. And I think Bailey Smith could be another where put him in the midfield and he could actually he had match an underrated season. Yeah. yeah.
2: So to put you on the spot here, who who's your looking back at last year's draft pool or first rounders? who's gonna have the better career do you think out of the, the top handful? Are you still in the lococious train? <laughs> I,
0: I love lococious but Selfishly, I wish he played for another team because on yeah. Gold Coast, their development hasn't proven successful so far. Yeah, where they've been able to develop Lynch, develop May, but there haven't been too many players they've developed to expectation. Where you'll have David Spoller who will come in, mm-hmm. the expectation is he'll be. Joel Selwood 2.0 with even a bit more pace Mm. and he was great over his first two years but never kicked on and it's been that same story with so many of their players So another
1: question without notice then Uh, does the with the additions of um, Anderson and Rao along with these guys that they drafted last season and you know the kids that they've drafted over the journey do you think this can be the turning point for the Gold Coast Suns?
0: There's the potential where I'm seeing a big a big five within Gold Coast where you've got Lukosius, you've got Rankin, you've got King, mm. but then you're adding Matt Rao to it. You're yeah. adding Noah Anderson as well. So those five, they could all be elite if the development yeah. is right. and they if. have the leadership around them, maybe add a bit more veteran leadership, maybe help fast track yeah. their development. And it could be interesting.
1: Potentially like the end of the tunnel. Potentially.
0: Mm. No, we hope so. Yeah.
2: yeah. No one likes seeing him getting beaten up every week. Yeah. No,
1: no, for sure. Um, Another question, I think we should sort of transition now that we know that this draft is obviously right upon us. But looking towards next year a little bit, if we can, mm. uh, I've sort of been reading around the traps that because of the points system and the academy system, uh, 2020 draft seems to be pretty compromised. Mm. Firstly, is it? And then secondly, can you kind of explain what it means by it's it's a bit compromised sure. uh, to our listeners?
0: Yeah. So there's, you've got a mix of father, son, next generation academy and northern academy prospects where there's just a lot of them that are associated with clubs and they have the rights to them. So if a club makes a bid, then they've always got that capacity to match that bid.
2: So, And, and next year's draft is stacked full of is. these. these, I guess, players that are already tied to a certain club.
0: Yeah, that's right. So within my top 20, without having put my top 20 fully together yet, but there might be five. So you've five. one quarter of the players yeah. in the top twenty. So something five that around are available that number to all clubs. Yeah, so or, um, yeah, yeah, wow. probably five of that top twenty that I would have at this stage from next year's pool would be a mix of father son, oh, okay. next generation academy. Sure. academy. Right.
1: So I mean, it's so quite a number Does it mean then that first round picks for next season are worth less? I mean,
0: is it kind of Possibly. hard to gauge? And or even throughout the whole draft, where there there could be maybe potentially 15 or so that could go national draft that are associated with a club in some respect. I think I so read somewhere that it was a good number
1: 20 out of 50, 20 mm. out of the top 50. It could be, could be these sorts of players, yeah. obviously and depending on development yeah. next year and all that, but mm. it's kind of ridiculous. And I guess it does beg the question of how far is too far with some of these concessions. It's a balancing act, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Because I mean, a lot of these concessions have been brought in and, the the huge advantage or the the significant advantage that the Victorian clubs had was the father and son rule because it, you know there's no there's no father and son prospects for you know the Dockers and 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 the 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 Lions and whatnot for so long so they brought in all the 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 academies and the and the you know they're trying to grow the game in those non-traditional heartlands and it's just where where's the the balance? Because you, it is it does sound like it's a, a really compromised situation.
1: Yeah, uh, obviously it's one to keep an eye on for next year, and you will be doing a, a top twenty power rankings at some point for, for next tracks, year for two thousand and twenty. Yes. So that'll
0: come in in a few days anyway after the draft. Oh, excellent. So, yeah, we
1: look forward yeah, to it. I mean, weekend. there is plenty of content actually coming on the website in the next few days. I mean, obviously uh, tonight we've got. Um, uh, sorry, tomorrow morning. That would be Wednesday, Wednesday morning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm getting confused. Wednesday morning we'll have your full final Phantom Draft. Correct. Jeez, that was a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. So I'll be sending it through tonight and then and we'll, we we'll, be, uh, we'll be loading it up. Every
2: single pick, every single club. Yep, every yep. single
1: pick, every club. Um, we've got a, a couple of other really good pieces at the moment. We've got, uh, Neil, you've written a, a cliche drinking game piss take, <laughs> uh, which is kind of interesting for uh, for anyone who's watching the draft on Wednesday night and Thursday as well if they'd like to watch it, whereby yep. you're probably going to be drinking a bit.
2: Yeah, obviously, I think um, we've got, um, in the headline is is in brackets, very responsible drinking game. Absolutely. Water. Uh, Yeah, a lot of of water. water. (laughs) Um, But all the cliches that come through on draft night, I mean, they always make me laugh. And being in the industry, in the media industry, We're not, we know, we we say them as well. Um, So we're not, we're not sort of, I guess, um, pointing the finger at other people. But there's just so many cliches. So I've 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 written up a bit of a a drinking game for the punters that might want to play along at home through the draft.
1: Um, I've also had a chat with uh, the head of player development at both North Melbourne and Sydney. Had a chat to them about the logistics of moving players. Uh, who have been drafted, whether it's from uh, far away in, within Victoria or from interstate, or if they're going to an interstate side, that's a really fascinating uh, piece. Uh, we got the uh, there's a live blog with questions that's going to be on on Tuesday night as well. Uh, we've got heaps of content on espn.com.au/afl, uh, so there's no shortage of stuff, and you should definitely log on and check it all out. Uh, I think that just about does us. Uh, for this episode or this special episode of the ESPN Footy Tips AFL podcast. Chris Dory, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Neil, good to see you again. Good to see you. Look forward to chatting next year. And we will <laughs> speak to you in the next one.
2: Thanks for listening to the ESPN Footy Tips AFL podcast.